This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and I'm joined, as usual, by Dan Wright and Alex Wood. Not a lot has changed, really, since we last jumped on here. We're still the richest club in the world, and we still haven't won a game this season. <laughs> We've got to start, really, haven't we, with Saturday's game away at Palace. A 1-1 draw, which, to be fair, I see is a pretty decent result, given how good they've been this season. Dan, I'll come to you first. You were in South London for the match. Thoughts on the performance, mate? It, it wasn't a, be- a great performance, really. I mean, Palace, I was really quite impressed with Crystal Palace, the way they knocked the ball about, I think, in the midfield area. Conor Gallagher completely ran the game for them, and he's a player that actually... It w- would Newcastle could do a lot worse than signing him in the summer when his loan deal expires at Crystal Palace. He, was, Absolutely. he completely ran the game, didn't know how to deal with him in the midfield. I mean, you're playing Ryan Fraser as centre midfield. It, it's just never, ever going to work. Um, the result-wise, it's more than we deserved. I mean, Benteke scored, scored enough on the disallowed, but he should have had an absolute hatful. They create a lot of chances. So a lot of people were saying we defended well. I'm not particularly sure we did defend all that well. I just think they were not very clinical in front of goal, which is probably... You look at their Crystal Palace, they've played well all season and they've won one game from nine. That's probably been where they've been going wrong. Yeah, in terms of Palace, I mean, they've, they've essentially thrown away six points, haven't they, really? Against us, yeah, absolutely. Time. Brighton, they had that Arsenal. game won, and Arsenal, they had them both won 95th minute and conceded goals. Yeah. You touched on the defensive part of the game there, and I was watching the game, and I thought that Benteke probably could have had five. Yeah, he, definitely. He hit the woodwork twice, obviously scored, 
had one ruled out and missed a sitter just after we equalised. Alex, in terms of the defence, do you think it was an improved defensive sh- uh, shown from us? Which I would say it was, sort of. You know, we, we only conceded one goal when you consider we, on average, concede three goals a game this season. Or is it just down to Palace's poor finishing? Palace's poor finishing. We were shocking. Like, mm. if we were, if we had this game under Steve Bruce, we would be calling it, oh, it's another Steve Bruce performance. It's another 100%. one where yeah, he's just look going, look, yeah. there. There was, there was nothing, nothing improved. Yes, you can say maybe a chance creation and Callum Wilson actually was on, on the pitch or up front and Alan St. Maximan actually played in a position that suited him. But apart from that, there, there was nothing. Yeah, um, Christian Venteke looked like 2013 version of Christian Venteke. We have a joke on this podcast that Christian Venteke is an elite-level Premier League striker. Uh, <laughs> in the pod that was lost, obviously, um, uh, we, oh, no, we discussed that, that a long, long period of time ago. Um, but he was involved in Crystal Palace's, um, a lot of Crystal Palace's action this week. So 94% of Crystal Palace's 2.26 XG was Christian Venteke's efforts this week. One goal, seven shots in the box, five big chances, three big chances created. Also had um, a goal disallowed, which we might come on to later. No, um, to answer your original question, we were poor defensively. Christian Benteke just cannot finish. Um, otherwise, it would have been 5-6-1, and it possibly should have been. I learned a lot from this weekend as well in terms of how much Graham Jones does, how much of an influence he's had on the team, and I think it's pretty obvious he's had a massive say throughout Bruce's tenure since he came in because there wasn't a lot of change really was there it was exactly the same shape the same system that 5-3-2 playing Ryan Fraser as a centre mid very bizarre playing Emil Kraft in defence when you've got Fabian Shaw sitting in the back so did you guys take that as well that it's pretty obvious that Jones had a huge say in terms of tactics and team selection yeah, I mean, I was a bit sort of worried when I seen the team and, you know, you've got, like, the just the ones you pointed out, really, Ryan Fraser and Kraft in just positions that aren't their best positions. The five at the back returning, it, it's not what I wanted to see. Um, in terms of Graham Jones, I think, obviously, he's here for a short time as manager. I want Everyone wants him to do really well. I mean, the, I think the way that he spoke in the media has been absolutely top draw, to be honest. Um, the interview he gave of NFC TV has been fantastic. But is he the man to lead us in the future? On Saturday, showing I'd suggest not. Yeah, I think you're bang on. Speaking about his his media stuff he done this week, his press conference, so impressed by the bloke. That to me is a proper Newcastle United fan. That's how you talk in the yeah. press if you're a proper Newcastle United supporter. He was excellent. I just it was the first time I'd left a press conference feeling excited for the game ahead. Going, you know, I'm I'm well up for this. And one man who was well up for it, Callum Wilson. I think it's five goals or four goals in his last five games um, since he's since he's come back from injury. An incredible goal. Has to be goal of the month for me. Alex, what would we do without him? Um, be more relegation fodder than we currently are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, we can pull out uh, a bundle of statistics and I've, I, I've got them. As, yes, as of course ever, he does. Um, of course he's got them. <laughs> as ever, like, yes, we... We rank in terms of the other the other fourteen Premier League clubs outside the top six around about fourth in terms of people have scored. So we've got six current scorers this season in the in the league, whereas the other relegation fodder that um, we're facing in likes of Burnley, um, Crystal Palace, the, the team in Norwich. Norwich only have one. 
Burnley have three and Palace have four. So like, we've got the little bit of detriment of different scorers, but it has been getting the ball in the back of the net. Like we have Matt Ritchie, who's one of the top chance creators outside the top six this season. He's been fantastic, not only from dead ball situations, but open play. Yes, we talk about his defensive duties, secondary, because the chance creation going forward is there. We just needed someone that was capable of sticking it in the back of the net. And we've all known that Callum Wilson has been that guy since we signed him word go. The problem is just keeping him fit. That's it, isn't it? I think you just put a bigger emphasis on the January window and we've heard rumours of a £50 million spend. Surely not. They need two or three midfielders, probably four defenders and a backup striker. Like, yeah, I mean, they might have had the intentions of £50 million. I think, obviously, Amanda Stavely and the consortium has been at both games or at least one per, part, person of the party has been at all games. I think that transfer kit he might have gone up with every, with every minute they've watched to be honest because it's been so unimpressive on the pitch um i say one thing about the palace game it was i was at the wolves game as well which is obviously the last away game pre takeover and the atmospheres couldn't be more dif- different the performances were very similar but the atmospheres couldn't be more different and the even just with steve bruce going it was like it was, it was a bit of a party atmosphere really in that away end which was i think it's a sign of things to come i think the way the city is at the minute. You walk around, everyone's smiling. I mean, you were at the Spurs game. What what was town like? Like a place abs- yeah. absolutely buzzing three at the minute. Four hours before kickoff, wasn't it? I've never seen the pubs that busy that early. It was absolutely mental, and I think that's what we've all got to look forward to. When and you just the Chelsea game, first home game without Bruce. Then there'll be the first game with the new manager in, first win, etc., etc. January comes, new players. I think we're in for a really, really exciting few months. We just need to get over this period in January, not adrift at the bottom of the table. That's the most concerning thing, isn't it? And the talk with the new manager, we've been told this week that we're not expecting a managerial appointment, which I can't believe it's it's taken this long. I've got many reasons why, things I believe of why it's taken so long, which I'll get onto in a minute. But do you not think we need to like strike the balance here of, we need to make the right appointment, absolutely take your time and do that, but there needs to be a sense of urgency as well because we are we haven't won a game all season and we've got a serious danger with you know we've got some after Chelsea we've got a couple of good home games I think we've got Norwich Brentford and Burnley three home games in a row which we need to get nine points out of so do you think the club need to hurry up would you would you say Alex No not really all right. um, I I I would simply say that they've got they've got their faith in Graham Jones at this present moment they've obviously spoken to him and said look Hey, hey, what can you do differently that's going to affect this club? Um, and I think Graham Jones would have said, well, we'll train five ga- five days a week for a starter. Hey, get in. Um, <laughs> uh, there it is. I've been waiting for that one for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but, There'll be knackers yeah, uh, and the players. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> but the, I, I, I wouldn't imagine they would be making a decision without feeling comfortable with Graham Jones. Um, I think they would, for me personally, I, I would be looking at getting the rest of the club sorted and then focusing on a managerial situation. I don't think that's changed any, in any way, shape or form. Um, what Dan said a couple of weeks ago on this very podcast was get a director of football in, get a um, sporting director, get a, whoever you really need in the hierarchy structure of this club and then appoint your manager so they don't conflict. I think they could be waiting for that before they pull that trigger. Or um, as I, I imagine you're probably going to say, other managers are waiting for other jobs to come available and see if they are going to be available before they 
pull the Newcastle United trigger and want to commit to such a big project. With the Man United situation, Solskjaer's, let's be real, he's going to get sacked whether it's this weekend or in three, four weeks' time. He's getting the boot anyways. And the top-level managers that Newcastle have to be aiming for, there's got to be a reason why it's taking so long. That I feel they are trying to get a big name in, but obviously, first of all, trying to get them to commit to such a long-term project is difficult in its its own way. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a job like the Man United job, arguably the biggest job in managerial job in world football, they are going to want that. So it, it, could you think that could be down to the reason why we've had such a delay on this? I honestly think it's got absolutely nothing to do with it. I think at this moment in time, and we will be maybe for the next few seasons and maybe beyond that, we're shopping in very different markets from managers to Manchester United. The the names have been talked about, Antonio Conte, Zidane, names that aren't going to go to a project. Like No matter how much you offer them, they're not going to take this in their eyes a step down to a project. So we're not in the same market as Manchester United. I just think they want to get it right. And there's a balance that needs to be struck, like you said, because we are, we're in serious danger of getting relegated, get, getting relegated and we need the points on the board quickly. But if you appoint the wrong manager because we need a, we need a manager, we need to change and it doesn't go well, then you're just in this position a few yeah. months down the line anyway. So for me, I don't mind. I mean, look, for the Chelsea game, I don't really care who's in the dugout. I predict us will get beat because Chelsea are a top, top team with top players. If we can get someone in by Brighton away, which I think is the next game after that, then then that's better. And then after that, they've got an international break and I think it's Brentford at home, which there's, there's points that can be won. And if they do, and they're going to do that in the next few weeks. So if they've got, if there's no one in by Chelsea, I'm not bothered. I'd rather they took the time than be like, oh, we've got Chelsea, big game. We need to get someone in. For me, it's it's not a bad sign at all that they're taking the time. I would like an announcement. Of course, we all would, but it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I I, I get it, but I, I do still think that they are trying to pull in a big manager. And we've heard rumours. I think it was yesterday, wasn't it? The Daily Mail that. Ajax manager Eric Ten Hag, they've offered him a lucrative £11 million year deal, third highest paid manager in the Premier League. It's been all over the place. I think a week and a half ago, we were all thinking Paulo Fonseca is the new manager. Mm-hmm. He was so low with the booties, we'd heard that he'd, he'd had discussions with the club. And then we heard this week that it sounds like it's not going to be him at all. And they're going to look elsewhere. And then you've got the likes of Lucien Favre, who's from uh, Dortmund manager, done a great job with Borussia Mönchengladbach. He's back in the frame. A one that makes a lot of sense to me is Roberto Martinez. I don't think it's the right appointment for the club, but very close ties with Graham Jones. Has worked with Jones at, at multiple clubs this season, so that might be an avenue they may want to look at. And of course, someone like Steven Gerrard, who, let's be real, in his press conference, he didn't exactly say he didn't want the job, did he? He didn't, he didn't rule anything out. So, lads, what do you think? Because I'm kind of leaning towards here that they are going to try and get Rafa Benitez back. Even though he's just gone to Everton, he's not a man to break a contract. But I think we all know he wants that job. I'd have him. <laughs> I would yeah, have him. He'd be perfect. Have him back in a heartbeat. heartbeat sorry. I, I, I just, the type of man he is, I, I, I think he'll be gutted. Inside he'll be gutted that he didn't wait. But I can't see him breaking his contract. He's a man of his word. He said he'll sign him and take... Everton to the next level um, in a couple of years is that one of the things that we look at do we look at um, Rafa Benitez his homecoming when Newcastle are a little bit of a better squad and we take them to the, to that next level or when he 
if he inevitably gets sacked from Everton, hopefully he never does. I don't wish a bad thing on Rafa Benitez. I hope he has a whale of a time at Everton and we're generally competing with them for top four places. I think that would be a really good storyline for the Premier League in two, three years' time. Um, but no, I agree with Dan. I, I can't see him making it out. Martinez would be a, a, a weird appointment for me. I think he's always been a more attacking nature manager. He's, he's never really had a good relegation like style um, success rate. For me, it would be your, your Lucien Fabs or your um, Vanescas. Like they're, they're the two play, people that I would always say. And I said Lucien Fab from word go, so I'm sticking behind my man. Yeah, I think when we talked about all the, I don't know whether you were on this podcast, Alex, but we were talking about all the managerial targets, and I think Lucien Favre is probably the safest option in terms of a, a, a sort of defensive coach where if you go for a Fonseca, it's very much gun-ho attacking football. Do Newcastle have the players to do that? Because they've tried to play attacking football all season and just conceded a pile of goals in the process. But on to Rafa, can he win at Everton? Can he actually win at Everton? Can he win them supporters round? Because we all saw the ground at the weekend when they lost to Watford. Of course it was going to be, a, you know, they got to be 5-2. It was never going to be happy. But there were already those, those pockets of the supporters that won them sacked despite them having one of the best starts of the season they've ever had. So do you not think Rafa may just look at it and go, look, I've been in this job for a couple of months. I've not got a lot of money to spend because I've blown the £500 million that they've had on, on a pile of rubbish players. The fans don't like us. I cannot win here. I can go back to Newcastle where I'm loved and start the project that he was meant to start last year. Everything you're saying makes perfect sense. Like, it's Everton fans, Everton the club probably wouldn't be, well, the club might, but the fans wouldn't be bothered to lose him because, like you say, they don't like him. We love him. We'd have him back in a heartbeat. Most fans agree. And he, I, I, I imagine he would rather be at a club that's going to be able to spend more money than Everton and actually build something. But I, it's like what I said before, I it makes sense, but I just can't see it, and I can't see Everton taking, letting him go for without paying quite a lot of money. I know money's not a massive object, but these people are rich for a reason. Like they they don't throw money away with, and then get another good manager in for nothing. So I just can't see it. To be honest, it's it's a shame, and I wish he'd waited a bit, but it's just not going to happen, in my opinion. Well, speaking of managers, Newcastle have got a new manager this week. Under twenty threes, though. Very, very interesting appointment, this one. And he's, he's called Elliot Dickman, and he's crossed the divide. He's came from Sunderland, their under-23s head coach. He's crossed the divide after being there for 26 years. So, I, I, when I saw the news, I couldn't really believe it. And he is highly rated there. A, a lot of Sunderland fans have been keen to tell us today that, yeah, we didn't win a game last season, our under-23s, well considering their previous owner asset stripped the academy and sold all their top prospects to top Premier League clubs because just to keep the lights switched on at the club and he's done pretty well with his hands tied behind his back. Do we think this is the start of Newcastle looking to dominate the North East at academy level under this new ownership? Because we, is it really harsh to say as well that Sunderland have a way better academy setup than Newcastle and have pretty much throughout the Ashley era, if you just look at the players they've brought through, I mean, Pickford and Henderson, just to name a few, miles mm. better than anything we've ever produced. Yeah, I mean, the, the point you make about dominating the northeast scene at a youth level, whatever, I don't think it's necessarily to do with that because, if we're honest, as football clubs now, Sunderland and Middlesbrough are pretty irrelevant to Newcastle. Now, it doesn't... Yeah. They are, like, it, it doesn't really matter about them. They're not... There's not going to be a rivalry in Why do you think they've brought him in, then? 
Well, it, because it, I don't, that's the thing. If he's highly rated, the reason they want to improve the academy because we don't produce anyone of any note, really. The Longstaff brothers have come through and we've not got the best out of them. We just don't seem to have what it takes. We haven't put enough money or time into it, whatever it is. We need to just be better. We need to compete with the teams at the very top. You look at the players that Man City have brought through. That's where the aim, I've got no doubt, that's where the aim will be. They'll not be thinking about the likes of Sunderland and Middlesbrough stuck down in the Football League. It's it's all about trying to compete and making sure, going back a bit, but like the likes of Michael Carrick don't end up going to London for a, for a club in Manchester. Keeping the best young talent, finding the best young talent in the area and nurturing the Premier League players. That's what we've... We just haven't done as far as I can remember ever. So yeah, you're bang on. And Alex, what do you think as well on on this? That do you not think they've appointed this new coach as a kind of like to tap into his knowledge of the northeast and even yeah. tap into his knowledge of the academy that Sunderland have got? Because obviously a lot of their players, a lot of their good under twenty three players, have transitioned to the first team. And I know for a fact they've got they've got one lad called Dan Neal who is doing really really well. In League One, is that something they're looking into? Do you think? Yeah, of course. Like, it, it, if you want to dominate in the northeast, you get the guy with the most experience, and that guy, uh, mm. the gentleman that you just discussed, has the most experience. Twenty-six years at this level, right? Producing good talent year in year out. You don't keep a job for twenty-six years if you're not good at it. Yeah, it's as simple as that. <laughs> That's there. Um, I I don't know really a lot about the academy set up because. Um, it is one of them things that is so diabolically just droll to look at in terms of a Newcastle United standpoint because there is so much young talent there that could be uh, really progressing well, but isn't. Um, I, I think of Watts, who's currently on, on loan at Port Vale. They're flying this season. Um, obviously, we look at Dylan Stevenson uh, as well, who's been balling out for the under-23s this year and hasn't got a sniff in the first team. Um We've we've had a lot of players that we've discussed a couple on this podcast that could have had that first team step up but haven't made it or Steve Bruce hasn't really given them the shot that they deserve. But yeah, if you're gonna get a bloke in that knows this this game inside and out and you've got a club legend that's a lone manager in Shirley and Miobi, surely them two can figure it out and start getting these players better opportunities so either we can make some serious money off them or they can be stable holds in this Football club. I mean, I see the academy as a real top priority for these new owners. I mean, Newcastle just let Bobby Clark, who's the son of Lee Clark, was has been tipped as like one of the best youngsters in the country. Just let him go to Liverpool. Shouldn't be happening. I mean, Newcastle even missed out on Alan Shearer when he was when he was young. We had to, we had to bring him back for fifteen million pounds. Shouldn't be happening. And I don't know whether you guys have heard as well. The Chelsea have set up a partnership with um, I think it's Newcastle City Juniors, which it's them and Wars End Boys are the are the top like you know, kids at academy sort of thing. Chelsea have signed a deal with them, which it shouldn't be happening. I really hope Newcastle step on this and get this academy situation sorted out quickly because I was at the under-23s game when we played against Sunderland, won the game, thankfully. But there wasn't a lot to pick out of it. We had a few good players, like you mentioned, Dylan Stevenson done well. Joe White had a good performance. And we've seen what Elliot Anderson can do. You know, he's had opportunities in the first team. But anything past them, you are really scraping at the barrel and Sunderland, who matched us for 60-70 minutes of that game, they're good under-23s players. We're all playing in the first team. Five or six of them missed out. That's a big worry when you've got a League One club academy that's arguably better than a, a Premier League club without sounding 
too arrogant, but the academy situation, it, it could be a whole podcast because there is a lot to cover. And it, it, it is interesting to keep an eye on, but I think over the next few years, we're really going to see a big change in terms of the academy setup and the training ground and, and all that sort of stuff. But on to more recent things, and we've got Chelsea at the weekend, which is a very, very difficult game. European champions just won 7-0 at the weekend against a team who are only a point below us in the league. Simple question here. How did Newcastle get a result? I, I don't think they do, to be honest. I, I think <laughs> it sounds like but Chelsea are just so, so good at the minute. Um, and we, we, I, we, I, got, I know I can't speak for you, but I got massively carried away before the Spurs game thinking, oh, the atmosphere is going to be amazing. Same. I think the atmosphere is going to be amazing again. But it's not going to carry. It couldn't carry us to beat a bang average Spurs team or get a result or play any sort of football that looked like we were going to get a result. It's not going to do much against a side who've just won their last game seven nil. Like they're a, they're a fantastic team that they have been since Tuchel got the job, and it's it's not going to be an easy day for Newcastle. I think it's a it's a game that we could really really do with springing a surprise because you look at the fixtures at the weekend and. There's a real chance Newcastle could be more adrift than they already are. I think Leeds play Norwich, who we just said, got beat 7-0. And I think Southampton, the team just above them, if I'm not mistaken, play Watford in a game that you think, well, they could win that game. Newcastle went to Vicarage Road and were by far the better team. So Southampton probably capable of doing the same. So you do worry that if we do lose this game, then just the Brighton game becomes absolutely massive. Yeah, um, completely agree. I will add as well, Chelsea won 7-0 at Norwich without £140 million worth of strikers on the field. Uh, they didn't have Timo Werner and they didn't have Romelu Lukaku. Like, they won 7-0 without those two. Those two are due to be back this week. Um, oh, they're not, oh, is they're Lukaku they're back? They're not, are they? Is he back? <laughs> like, um, he's, no. he's they could get double figures. It, honestly, but, if he's playing, but, I'm like, frightened. Lascelles versus what, Lukaku. It's, oh. one of them, it's one of them situations that you can... You can sit there and say that um, it's there. Tuchel hasn't uh, officially confirmed it, but when he comes up questionable in my fantasy league thing, so yeah, if he's back, then obviously it's it, it's terrible and it, it is going to be there. But the way that we can try and counteract um, Chelsea is by just allowing Alan St. Maximin and Callum Wilson to do whatever they want, and hopefully they win individual battles. That's that's literally it that we can do. But Chelsea is so very good across the field. I mean, we're just going to have to defend brilliantly, aren't we, for 90 minutes? A bit similar to yeah. the, the game we had a couple of seasons ago where we nicked it 1-0. Defended great and, and, and took a chance when we, we got it. And it's going to be the same here. But do you think Newcastle can kind of learn from Norwich's mistakes? I know Norwich are... Uh, Newcastle are a far better outfit than Norwich. Like the the One of the worst Premier League teams I've seen. Well, I think the worst than Sheffield United were last season, and that's saying something. But can they learn from their mistakes in terms of the setup? They went five at the back and just sat off Chelsea, and they ran rings around them and, and won the game seven nil. I, I don't. I think you can only learn so much from Norwich because it, I think Norwich could have set up a lot of ways. They might not have got beat seven or whatever, but they would have got thrashed. Like the goal from quality is is so huge between Chelsea and Norwich and Newcastle at the minute, actually. So I don't think you can actually learn too much from it um, we've just got to hope for no individual errors which is easier said than done certainly this season and we've got to hope the goalkeeper has an absolute world the other day and they, they don't bring the shooting boots That's, and the is injured and it's a, it's a massive massive if all of that but yeah 
I mean, also, Kante wasn't playing, was he, at the weekend? That's another thing. <laughs> I love trying to, you're trying to sort of work, can we look at what Norwich did or didn't do and improved? I honestly don't think we can. I just think it's going to be one of those days where a team's just far better than us and it, we're just going to have to hope and hope and hope that we get some massive, massive slice of luck. I mean, one thing that could help is the crowd as well. You, you touched earlier as well, Dan, about the Spurs game and the crowd was like, unbelievable for 20 minutes mm. and goes flat I, I watched the game I didn't watch the full game but I watched the first goal turn it off after that just to see what the build up was like <laughs> on Sky and they were talking about the crowd and they asked Jamie Redknapp like what are you told when you're like facing a crowd like this and you went first 20 minutes keep them quiet for 20 minutes and you're fine for the rest of the game and Chelsea would be told the same thing but I think it's going to be another euphoric day at St James's part mm. regardless of the result and the Spurs game, you could feel it would have been an element of nerves there from the players because it is a winnable game. Spurs are a far better side, but it was a winnable match. Chelsea, you put a pound on Chelsea winning, you'll probably get one pound and five pence back. They're huge favourites. Newcastle got nothing to lose here. But do, do we have nothing to lose? I mean, I guess in terms of the match, no one expects us to win anything, but... I get you. If we're yeah. six points adrift come five o'clock, or I don't know what time other teams play, but by the end of the weekend, then... We have lost. We've lost ground and the Brighton game is huge. But yeah, I, th- I love trying to be positive and stuff like that. And we've been very positive the last few weeks on here. But there's no amount of positivity that makes me look at this game and think that we could get anything. <laughs> Alex, are you in the same boat? Are you optimistic? No, I mean, I'm in exactly the same boat. Um, I, I, if I was Carl Darlow, I, I'd have a strange muscular injury and hope that Martin would have a rock his fit. To answer your question, if you put a pound on um, Chelsea to win, you get 33 pence back. Um, I, that, that's how much you would get back from from this game on Sky Bet. Um, yeah, no, I, I would. If it's anything less than 3 0, I'll be happy. Yeah. Well, would I be happy? No, I'll I be, be happy. Even if, even if we lose one nil, I'll be I'll be annoyed. That's the problem. I'm I'm like, oh, I've got now we lose, we'll get beat one nil. Like they'll they'll score like a horrible goal in the ninetieth minute, and I'll leave season. I don't know why I'm even saying it. And like you yeah. said, Dan, we could be six points adrift by by five o'clock. That's a big yeah. worry. So there Huge. is there is an element of it where they have nothing to lose, but they, they kind of need to like pull the finger out and get a result because Brighton's going to be a tough game next week. Got an mm-hmm. awful record against them. But we can't look past the Chelsea game. So we'll end this podcast with our predictions. Uh, Dan, what are you thinking? I think 3-0 Chelsea. will not will not be awful. I just think they'll have way too much for us on the next one after that. It's, uh, no, 3-0 Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going 3 as well. I think 3-0 um, like, yeah, is fine. Full house. I think 3-0 as well. I just don't think we'll have an answer to them. Solid defensively. Even if Lukaku's not playing, they're going to find ways to score. They're the best team in Europe. It's going to be a tough game, but you never know in football. We have got some good news uh, to bring you as we end off this podcast. A club have just announced that uh, Alan Smith, the supporter who took ill uh, during the game against Spurs, has been discharged from hospital. So sending him all of our best wishes in his recovery from home. But this has been Tyne Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United as well as the rest of the AFL, Champions League, Europa League, you name it, we've got it. From us three lads, thank you very much for listening and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.